This episode of Breakthrough Success is brought to you by Creating a Brand, which provides a free online mastermind community for entrepreneurs who are looking for accelerated growth in their businesses. Head over to creatingabrand.com to learn more about this mastermind community you can be in if you are an entrepreneur looking for that growth. There are so many different ways to start an online business, but are you diversified enough? If your main online business stream of income just vanishes, are you prepared for that? In this episode of Breakthrough Success, we're going to talk about how do you build a diversified online business so that if one of them dries up, you have a bunch of income streams to back you up. And that is something our guest is a true expert in. She is the founder of several websites and she specializes in helping everyday people learn hard digital marketing skills to launch their own service-based businesses online, working from the comfort of their home or anywhere for that matter. Her background includes making a living as a professional writer, an online business marketing consultant, and a decade of experience in the financial services industry. Our guest who joins us on this episode is none other than Gina Forky. Gina, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I feel like I should be like running in and high-fiving people as I'm coming through, but this is the audio medium, so I can't do that. Just I'm giving you a <laughs> high-five, you guys. We got all the air fives going on right now, and I do appreciate you guys for tuning into this episode of Breakthrough Success. Diversified streams of income is so important, and we're definitely going to jump into that, but I do want to take some time in each episode to thank you guys for coming on and let me know on social media that you enjoy this episode. I'll be sure to engage with you guys. Now, going into the content, how do we diversify our businesses in a way that we're making streams of income, but we're not getting distracted by shiny objects? Whew, that's a, a good question to get started. Do you feel like I'm packing some of the ways that people monetize online? Should we start there? Yeah, let's start there. That's good. Okay. So it's kind of fun because there's not one single path to success when it comes to online business. There's lots of different ways to make money online. And we're in the midst of like COVID-19 right now. And so it's real interesting at this point in time to see how people are pivoting. And I feel like that's one of the things that if people walked away from our episode, it's okay to pivot. In fact, it's extremely healthy to the longevity of your business to be prepared to pivot. And that just really means that you're staying open to opportunities that maybe you have some different uh, hands and different honeypots and you're doubling down as the economy changes because that's what we're seeing right now, right? If you are in a brick and mortar business at this point in time, you know it can be a hard deal. And I totally empathize with where you're at. If you have a restaurant, you're in the hospitality, the, the travel, uh, you know, it'll come back around. We just have to make our way out through this uh, cloud, if you will. Um, you know, you mentioned my financial services background. I started my business right before the Great Recession. Great timing to uh, get into financial services as the stock market plummets, as people are fire selling and just scared about what the future holds. But at the same time, what great experience do I have now to reflect back on, right? And I think it's just a kind reminder to anybody that's tuning in, about every decade or so, we go through a large economic financial crisis. And so that's where diversifying your income streams can come in really handy because as certain things do not so great, other things go up. 
and we're seeing money being made in different industries. So if we're looking at the current economy, travel's not doing great. Like I said, hospitality, anything in person, not so much. The oil industry is down. My husband was asking if we should buy some some oil futures or stock or whatever the other day. And, and I told him we probably already own some in our mutual fund. So we were good. Um, but you know, like online courses are doing really well right now because people have space and time available as we're all sitting at home, having access to this lovely thing called the internet, um, to be able to tune in and maybe learn some new skills. We also have time to reflect on our own businesses or careers and, and think about What's not working so well and what am I wanting to do next? So I mentioned monetization methods. I'm sure that you are an expert in this area yourself, but some come to mind for me would be having a blog or being an influencer online. So you're getting paid uh, maybe by doing affiliate marketing. So you don't have your own products or services, but you're recommending other people's products or services. And every time you refer somebody to them that converts or does business with that person, then you're getting commission. That can be an amazing income stream, by the way, because you don't have to do any of the work on the back end. You're just helping to funnel people that are listening to you into a product or service that you believe in. If you don't believe in it, you shouldn't be schlepping it, right? And then the person that's selling it is doing all of the customer service. They're doing all of the order fulfillment, all of the hard stuff on their end. So affiliate marketing and potentially that could tie into uh, social media as well as blogging is one way. Another way is offering services. I'm very passionate about this area because it's how I got my start, but I also truly believe it is the easiest way to make money online. Do you have any thoughts on that yourself, Mark? I mean, there's certainly a lot of different ways to make money online. I think when it comes to ways for getting started, I mean, affiliate marketing, you just put the product out there that someone else created you share it to your audience and i do feel like that is an amazing income stream for so many people regardless of what your skill set is mm -hmm. yeah but that what it takes to be able to do that effectively is having an audience so if you're yeah. somebody that doesn't have an audience i mean we all have a little bit of an audience where we're kind of marketing whether or not we know it um, to our friends and family about, you know, we like to educate people on what we're using, whether it's like products like girls, you know, we like have hair products or we're getting our eyelashes done or whatever. And so we'll sing praises about that kind of stuff when it's working for us. Um, but if you don't have an audience, how do you do affiliate marketing, right? So that's where I think I come in and that kind of passionate end about services because we all have unique skills and abilities, gifts, if you will that we can probably figure out how to monetize. Um, and that's what we do a lot of teaching around within our businesses. So it can be kind of a shortcut to success, but it's not often super scalable. So you hit some kind of glass ceiling at some point in your future where you can raise your rates and get the best of the best clients. And then you have two options. You have the option of uh, just staying as you are and you know earning your six figure salary, which is totally doable, or you scale to an agency. And some people are up for that challenge, but probably the majority of people aren't. An agency means that you offer, let's say social media services, and you've tapped yourself out as far as how many clients you can take on and your rates and what you're charging. And so you recruit or hire or find some other people that you can either train or already know how to do these things. And you do the hard part, which is marketing and finding the clients. And that's why you're keeping half usually of that amount. And then you're paying the service provider that's actually doing the client work, the other half of what you're making. So that's one of the ways you can scale a services business. 
So we talked about affiliate marketing. We talked about services. If you're an influencer or you have an audience, um, doing affiliate marketing isn't the only way to make money. You can have your own products and services. They can be digital. They can be online courses where you're teaching. We're in this age of kind of the knowledge worker, if you will. Uh, it can also be that you are um, just producing like entertaining content, right? So you can make money on YouTube. What is it called when people just pay you money as they're watching your videos? Uh, AdSense. No, when they're actually on on your YouTube channel and you're like live or whatever, they can like upvote you or it has a special term that I'm getting the lingo down. Like a chat, like a Yeah, chat. super super something, right? Yeah, super something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> somebody somebody'll chime in on social and they'll give us the right term. But it's it's just kind of cool because never have we ever been able to do stuff like that before. Um, you know, an online business, there's multiple ways to diversify. One of the recent things that my husband and I have engaged in. He's always been interested in like real estate. And so we go down to Texas every year. We're from Minnesota. So we're total like snowbirds. It's cold here for like six months of the year. And then the other six months we get road construction. So win-win. It's actually a beautiful place and we love it a lot. But we've been going down to South Padre Island, Texas, which is on the ocean and just really beautiful and kind of a throwback touristy type of town. And we've been doing that for the last five years because we have this flexible lifestyle. And we actually decided to invest in a piece of real estate. Um, so we'll use it when we're down there and then we'll do short-term rentals the rest of the year. Another kind of unique timing situation though, because we literally bought and closed and then Corona hit and you cannot rent out your place right now. So luckily we have the foresight and the financial savviness to only purchase it if we could afford it on our own, whether or not it got rented out. But a lot of online entrepreneurs, and I used to find it funny, like, funny as in curious, but now I totally get it. They'll do well in online business and then they'll start diversifying their assets and buying things like physical office buildings. Have you found that to be the case too? Yeah, I do see that. Like you start with the online courses and I've seen that with a lot of successful gurus and with a lot of real estate later on. Yeah. And one of the reasons for that is again, that ebb and flow, what does well in one season, maybe not on the other side. Um, but it's also, you know, a way to obviously park some, some money and to be able to take some tax deductions. And then it's something that hopefully will not only produce income for us in the short term, but then we'll have this asset that is appreciated over time. Um, so I think it's, it's really quite interesting and kind of fun to be further along in the journey and be doing some other cool things. And Gina brings up a really great point where she's talking about, you know, these are the ways you can earn your income, like through services, training courses, books, affiliate marketing, but there's also ways to invest your money so that you're building it up like a real estate, like a dividend stocks, like a mutual mm -hmm. fund, an index fund. There's a lot of different places you can invest your money and knowing what you're going to do with your money is just as important. Now, it's interesting. I want to get this perspective because Gina, you mentioned you got started in financial services mm -hmm. right with the recession, which, you know, timing and you've got a lot of people who are really adapting to what's going on right now. Some people really struggling. You look at the unemployment numbers you do see some opportunities though like you see like grocery stores are getting a lot of growth you see businesses shifting to digital orders what would you say like how do we get better at adapting to the world around us in relation to our income streams I feel like from a personal level, like one of the things that I feel like we didn't really learn from the last financial crisis 
is that we walked into that financial crisis having negative savings rates, which means we were outspending mm. our income. And that's a recipe for disaster, obviously. But we're kind of in a similar place where people that are um, laid off or businesses that even in the first two weeks of not being able to have customers were about to go under. And I'm not one to like preach or judge or anything like that. But I feel like one of the learnings from this period of time is to go back to being a little bit more of fiscally responsible and having that three to six months worth of expenses. It has, yeah. doesn't have to be your income, but what your outlay is, what you have to pay for each and every month, set aside and savings. This isn't the fun money where you're going and playing the stock market and trying to get these increased huge rates of return. It's the safe, boring stuff that's just sitting there for the rainy day that we're going through right now. And as much as we need to do that personally, I believe as business owners, we need to be doing that as well. And I don't think that that's as common, at least from what I've been hearing in the pulse of the marketplace. So I feel like starting there, again, so unsexy, but really, really helpful. Um, and then I just think that it's a, a good opportunity. Again, we have this space, we have this time to figure out what do you want to be when you grow up? Because work will always be work, but there are fun types of work. And there's other things that like you just, you know, like people get the Sunday blues, especially in like corporate America. Have you heard that term before? Yeah, I've never went through it, but I've definitely heard of it. Yeah. So what happens, and a lot of people in your audience might be able to identify with this if they were recently working a nine to five, if they currently are, whether or not they're on the bench um, or being able to do it remotely from home is that, you know, you would get to Friday and Friday's a celebration party day. And Saturday is also pretty good because you have no work and nothing the next day. And then Sunday will set in and a lot of people will kind of get this depression and it's because they have to go back to work and they feel like they have no control and they are stuck and they're not looking forward to it because it's not work that they enjoy or the people that they're working with isn't kind of where they would choose to spend their time. And so that's where I also see opportunity right now is because um, corporate America is definitely shifting. They have to at this point. They have to make their employees, uh, let them be able to work remotely if that if their job duties don't have to be done in person. And I kind of feel like a lot of companies are a little late to this game of working virtually or working remotely. And a, a lot of it has to do with like management and micromanagement in particular. Yeah, and what I like to kind of spread is the fact that we're all adults. If you have employees that can't kind of police themselves or, um, you know, be responsible for their own productivity and things like that, like there's a problem there. You shouldn't have to spy on their computer with what apps that they're on or how they're spending their time. I mean, I just think that that might not be a real great fit um, for your company. So that's something to think about. And then on the kind of personal side of that too, is think about what you're bringing to the table for your company. And can you do that on a self-employed basis? Are there customers and clients or business owners that you can be contracting out your services and maybe you don't have to work a 40-hour work week? And if you can get rid of that commute when we have to go back yeah. to offices, even better. Because I don't know about you, but I had friends, we actually had these uh, neighbors that have since moved that had like a one to two hour commute a day. If you threw snow or construction or traffic into the mix, yeah. it would get even longer. And I just don't think that's a real enjoyable way to spend your time when your margins already are so limited when it comes to eight hours at the workday, you've got your commute. And then a lot of us have family, small kids and other responsibilities. If you don't have a family, you might have friends, some hobbies, things like that. So 
I think repositioning how you spend your time and, and kind of becoming more efficient about that is, is an opportunity. And a big part of that might be taking that first step of taking control over your own career future. I mean, the whole virtual movement is definitely going to be very helpful for workers because you do hear about the people who have a one to two hour commute. And uh, I want to expand on the fact that, you know, there are recessions, there are things like that. Like if I had a bingo card and like, I was not going to have like economic shutdown on the bingo card. Like it's like, you can't really predict something on this scale. And it's very unfortunate to see what's happening, but uh, the interesting thing is that even people who were decently prepared, like three months of backup reserves are still facing pressure because... Well, there's a lot of stress right now. People yeah. are acting a little cray-cray. Um, and it's to be expected because this isn't normal. And it's not. there's not like a roadmap that we can apply to get out of it because we don't know the timing or how long things are going to last. Um, I tend to be that half glass or glass half full type of gal. And so, and the other part of it though, honestly, is it hasn't changed my life all that much. Yeah. We're not able to rent out our our home in Texas, but beyond that, we had been homeschooling the kids while we were there anyways. We're just homeschooling them from our house in Minnesota. Um, You know, they would have been in public school, but my husband's a stay at home dad. And so like for us, we haven't been that affected and I feel real blessed and real grateful for that. Because there's other people that um, have that full-time job. They're also now homeschooling their kids and they have, you know, they're, or they're laid off and they're worried about money and yep. they're having more fights about that kind of stuff. And, and that's not fun. Yeah. I mean, that's where it's just Gina and I, like we do online stuff, working at home is we're now strangers to it. And we're just very lucky with our setup. Uh, But I do feel like this is a wake up call because, you know, there's a lot of different scenarios now we can think about. It's not just if the stock market goes down by 50% and like a recession scenario. It's the scenario where like, what if everything shuts down? Because uh, like, you know, like, again, it's really hard to predict this stuff. But if this comes back in the fall, like that's just like a rumor floating around and this has to happen again. Like the idea is that Gina's right when she says, you know, have that rainy day fund in place and really take more care. Like I'm building up a cash position now. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing as much investing. I'm building up the cash position and that's something you had to think about. And another thing to think about just shifting back to the online business side, because that's where the opportunity is right now. That's where right. if you are like, you got laid off or you're not working for a bit at your job, the online business scene is really great. So we mentioned some monetization streams already. How do we, pick which ones are the best and not get distracted by like the online surveys of the world? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good question. And I think it comes down to each individual. So you can spend your time doing a couple of things. I feel like our two options are building an audience so you can monetize in one way or building a clientele so you can monetize for your services. And if I'm missing something, feel free to bring that into the conversation back to the opportunity side of things. um, You know, we talked about commutes but we're now all realizing together that we're not limited geographically about where we work or where we have our businesses, because you probably Mm -hmm. have a lot of people tuning in that already have businesses, right? And so they might have brick and mortar or in-person businesses that they're looking to diversify by scaling and taking it online. And that's honestly been like the biggest kind of aha moment that I've seen going around is I've seen 
physical therapists or chiropractors or yoga studios or these very in-person businesses take things online by being able to have this worldwide audience and customer base. So I think it starts with what are you doing right now? And then what is the least path of resistance to taking that next step through online? Um, so for many people, you know, you could be starting with social media and trying to, again, build up maybe an audience there, or you could build out your own website. But you have to start with what are you going to be talking to people about? So if you're real unsure about that, do you have any ideas for people as far as what to start an online business around when they're looking to like grow an audience at least? I would say a mix of podcasting and YouTube because podcasting you get by, I'm talking with Gina right now, we have a relationship going, like you can't really get that with any other platform and YouTube's video content, which has a lot of retention. Yeah, I believe 100% in both of those mediums and we're involved heavily on both sides as well, either as being guests or working on our own channels and mediums and things like that. How about the people that don't know what to podcast or YouTube about? I would just say like, what is your offer? What is your service? What is your training course? What is your book? And then do stuff around that. Okay. So I think, um, you know, some people might not even be at that point where they know what to sell. Right. And so that's where, again, I'm kind of a firm believer on, okay, what do you have innately already? What are the skills that you already know or what skills can you learn in order to develop maybe a services based business off of that? But you can also practice some of these skills by figuring out what your hobbies or passions are, right? So you could develop a YouTube channel or a podcast around whatever your passions or your hobbies are. So I think as a real tactical solution for people tuning in that are at that beginning stage, like do an inventory. You can do a skills inventory of things that you already know how to do or you're looking to learn. And then you can do this other inventory around passions and hobbies. Like there has to be something that gets you fired up, right? Because if you have the Sunday blues, there's something in you that's yearning for something different, a different experience. Otherwise, you'd just be this meh person and everything's okay. Nothing's good, nothing's bad kind of thing. So when you broke into online business yourself, what was your offer initially? Gosh, I mean, my first blog was about the Boston Red Sox, so there wasn't really any offer there. But uh, I would say the first offer I had in the digital marketing space was my my a book honest ways to make money online that was nice. the title it had a bunch of dollar bills on it it was like a the, think about a sketchy book cover and that's what you conjure up in your mind like that that that's what it was but that's sometimes how you have to start so i like that you brought up the example of the boston red sox at the same time though because that was something that was like a passion or a hobby for you i imagine yes. it invoked some feelings of happiness and excitement and so you started a blog and a website, which uh, again, is like a totally different language to people that haven't broken it online at all, but it's not as hard as you think. And there's lots of tutorials out there. You probably can link them up with one pretty easily in the show notes. Um, and that's just like starting to use some of these tools online and starting to figure out here is my little place on the internet that I'm carving out. Um, so I think that's fun. Do you still blog on that website or did you just kind of let it go quietly no, or? I mean, it didn't make sense for me to continue. I still root for the Red Sox, but it didn't make sense for me. Like uh, just thinking of ways that you can make money from like as an Amazon affiliate, promoting merchandise. If you know baseball, you could like do coaching lessons and create a baseball course, but I didn't know mm -hmm. enough about baseball to do those things. 
Yeah, which is fine. It still was your entry point, though, and you've done very well for yourself, so I think it's okay. Um, I think that brought up a couple of really good examples, though, is that you're thinking of, okay, it's just a blog where I talk about sports. Well, for those of you guys that don't know, the most profitable podcast that exists, or at least the largest part of the market share, is around the sports industry. Is that Barstool? Say that again? Is that Barstool Sports? No, I just mean the biggest niche within podcasting or one of the most dominant is around sports. So people talking about sports, right? Like, so if you looked at the top podcasting niches, it'd be sports, true crime. Um, There's a couple in there that just kind of have risen to the top to command most of the market share. Wow. I mean, that's where podcasting you enter sponsorships and uh, there's just a lot of different abilities. Now, it's interesting how the two major ways Gina mentions, I think this is a super simplistic way to look at and then you figure out which one to focus on. You focus on building your audience and monetizing that or you build your client base. I think that's a beautiful way to put it. Mm -hmm. Uh, For some businesses, it just makes total sense to just focus on the build your audience. Like sports, for instance, like if you're passionate about a team like I am, uh, but you don't know how to coach someone in that sport, like the build your audience is definitely going to be your route. But if you can take on the coaching clients or just like the services clients, that's a way to, especially for people now, make more money quicker versus building your audience, which takes time. It's scalable and the income is scalable, but from a coaching and services standpoint, the money, like you could just charge higher uh, for each person, you get monthly recurring people. So it is important to assess those two differences. Yeah. And people are doing the training online. They're doing them via zoom calls or whatever kind of video conferencing software that you're using at that time, or they're scaling that instead of it being one-to-one where it's you and the customer, and it's just this time exchange, then they're going to the online course thing, right? Where they're able to kind of mass teach. Uh, But again, that you have to have some kind of audience or you have to borrow somebody else's audience. So you don't have to start your audience from scratch. And that comes through the relationship building of things. But I think what's interesting about both of our stories, and you know, I've been on your show uh, before, it was a long time ago, if you want to link up to that episode in your show notes. You'll see me as a beginner interviewer. Yeah, and me as a beginner guest, I would imagine as well. But I got my start just um, offering freelance writing services. So I was in finance. And then my next step, which is my first step into online business, was freelance writing. And I just kind of came across this world of online business in 2014. And I thought, okay, I can do that. I was not a journalist by trade. My degree wasn't even finance. My degree was in psychology, which I think suits me quite well um, because it really comes into psychology of people, why you do what you do and relationships and all of the things. But my point being is that we both had like this entry point into this atmosphere and it's transitioned into something completely different than either one of us would have imagined at that point. And I don't know about you, but all I did was work hard. And then I stayed very open to opportunities and I made connections in a very uh, service oriented approach. So I wasn't trying to go and find people and say, what can you do for me? But instead I wanted to share experiences and I wanted to come with a heart of service first. Um, And that works really well because guess what? People like people that like them. Right. So if you're interested in somebody and you're asking intelligent questions, so if you're a service provider and you want to offer freelance writing or customer service or podcasting production or whatever, and you're starting to talk to a business owner that might be in need of your services, like start the conversation by asking them a lot of questions and be authentically interested in what it is that you do. 
And that brings me to one of the things I've been saying a lot lately is like never before have we had this opportunity to not only do work that we love by either utilizing our strengths and our skills that are existing or learning new ones based on all this online education that exists, but we also have equal choice in who we work with. So those were the two problems that I highlighted about corporate America. Sometimes you love what you do, but you don't love who you work with. Sometimes you love who you work with, but you really hate what you do. And so it's finding this, not utopia, but this better than average uh, situation where both things come together. And so you're enjoying what you're doing and then you're enjoying the people that you're working with. And, you know, from a, a client standpoint, if you're offering services, because you're online and you're virtual or remote, like the world is your oyster. Like there are so many different business owners that exist. There's 30 million plus businesses in the United States alone. And we've been challenging some of our community members to just look around them. So my business partner, Kristen, and I have this course specifically around training people up in Pinterest marketing. And like Pinterest is really good for all sorts of businesses, but specifically physical products, right? And think about like the beauty industry. And, you know, we have a lot of female students. So it's like, look into your beauty cabinet. Like what products are you using? Or I'm a big fan of that Fab Fit Fun subscription box. I don't know if you've ever seen one, but it's this box that comes to you once a quarter, pay 50 bucks, and then you get all of these full-size samples of various products. And all of these people that are participating in this program are paying to market their business. So why wouldn't they want to potentially align themselves with somebody that's a specialist as a Pinterest manager and get on that platform or take what they're currently doing to the next level if they're not specialized in that service themselves? And a central part of this whole episode is what Gina said is have that heart filled approach, have that, like, don't think of each person you connect with as like, Oh, I can't wait to sell you my services. Like I connect with people like, you know, there's a hope there's a, you know, like maybe, but I don't go into that connection. Like if you just have genuine conversations with people, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't happen, but they know someone sometimes just flat out doesn't happen, but that's how you get these long-term relationships. And speaking of the relationships and long-term, I mean, it's amazing. Like this is like, I've done over 500 of these just on breakthrough success now, but Gino is one of the very first people who came on the show. So yes, that old episode will be in the show notes. What else do you want us to throw in there for people who want to follow your work and journey? Uh, we launched GinoHorky.com recently. So if people want to check us out there, that's awesome. Um, somebody owned my domain because they saw I was an up and comer. I don't know who, but they had like a, an, a talking about affiliate marketing. So whoever bought my name, which obviously is not very common, I married into uh, the German line. So there's not a lot of other Gino Horkies out there, but they were monetizing it, doing affiliate marketing specifically for Dell computers. And then I was telling the story at FinCon, which is a conference in the financial space last year. And I was telling my friend Caitlin, and I'm like, yeah, somebody bought my domain and like it's for sale for three grand. And I really don't want to buy, you know, spend that much money on it. Cause that seems like a lot for a URL and you know, they cost like $9 otherwise. Um, and so she pulled it up on her phone and she's like, there's no website at all. There's nothing active. 
And I was like, oh, really? Because the last time I checked, I saw the Dell computers. And so anyways, I looked it up and it was on sale for $300 and I was sold. So now we have our own domain and this is becoming like the umbrella for all of these different businesses and brands uh, that we've been building out, which is fun. And I think that's what I would bring people back around is yes, definitely the relationship side of things. Uh, be authentic. It's definitely going to be the thing that gets you to the next stage, but you don't look at it that way. Um, and then the other part is just, it's an evolutionary process. And I've learned more from the mistakes that I've made than from all of the successes that came easily to me. And a big part of that is just putting yourself out there and getting started wherever you're at. So if you already have a business and it's not going so well based on the current economic climate or anything like that, then I would really convince you or just be a champion of that whole pivoting thing and kind of brainstorming, okay, here's what I'm doing and here's why it's not working. How could I be doing this differently based on the challenges that we're facing? And then if you haven't started at all, then just figure out, okay, what is something that I'm interested in and how can I start building an audience or getting involved in, in offering services? I mean, that, that's a story in itself, how you got your website and that whole journey. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got the spark notes, but you guys have the website down below to check out Gina and her work. It's always a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. Thank you for coming back on the show. Thanks for letting me come back on.